Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Only Fans Football Podcast. Cran, how are you? Great. Feeling great. Feeling buzzed. Getting the first coat of paint done on the studio at the moment, so it's going to look like room to improve. There, but <laughs> Bannon yeah. is in the studio. This week, Cran, we have another interview, and I'm saying this as if it's a surprise. It's not. If you're looking on YouTube, and if you're looking on Spotify, you'll see the title of this episode. Of course, it's with the... Man, the myth, the legend, Warren O'Hara, playing for MK Dons, ex-Bowls, ex-Brighton player. We had an absolute wonderful chat with him, Cran, didn't we? He's a Don himself. A Don. An MK Don. <laughs> it was uh, really lovely to have Warren on to chat about his life, really. And it was a really, I felt like a real casual chat, Cran, didn't yeah. it, times. It was, it was like catching up with an old friend. Um, that we've never met. That we've never met. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, great chat with Warren there. Um, I think it'd be remiss, Cran. Just this is obviously still in the intro, and I'll keep this as brief as possible. But the awful news this week of the only fans' favorite, our one of our favorite players from last season, um, Sebastian Haller. Mm. I don't know if you heard the news, Ben. I think people listening will have heard it. It's, it's been across Twitter, and we send all our love and support to Sebastian Haller and his, his whole family at this time. We know how tough these kind of things can be, and he's a he was a fabulous player and. Yeah, hopefully he's back fitting for him soon. Yeah, so we'll lead on into the show now, Cran. Warren, take it away. Here we go. yeah. It's not looking good, Bev. It's a very erotic voice, by the way. Fuck you, Deputy Stark. Fuck you. There'll be years around here waffling. Where'd you get these two guys from? Give me a lift if you last. Did you support Arsenal before the brain injury? You are an absolute disgrace. You're a cheat. I hope Brian get rid of it. Where are you? I don't know, Jeff. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. And sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. The fucking bass is fucking rough. Welcome everybody to episode two of the OnlyFans football podcast. Tonight today to be joined by former Bows and Brighton Defender and current MK Dons and half Warren O'Hara Warren. Welcome to the show. Thanks, lads. Glad to be here. Yeah, firstly, how are you feeling? How's preseason? What in general or about football? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask, how's preseason going? Nah, yeah, that's preseason. Yeah. Season starts not this Saturday. Saturday coming, so next week. Um, and yeah, look, it's nearly over now. The hard run's done, and <laughs> you don't look too happy there. <laughs> I think pre-season. You know, no matter how many times you do it, you always get nervous. Uh, you yeah. just can't can't help but think of running without football, and it's horrible. But look, the hard run's done. We actually went to Dublin for a week for our pre-season tour. Um, which was hard enough, and we stayed out in Johnstown there, out in Enfield. But yeah, now I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling fit and ready to go for next week for the season starts. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose we'll get on to the upcoming season now after a while. But we want to talk, obviously, for anyone that doesn't know, Kieran. I don't want to give your address away, really. But yeah. Kieran's from Cabra. Yeah, yourself, you're a Cabra native. Um, yeah. I suppose first of all, living in Milton Keys. Is it much different the cabin? Like, look, the house here is now. Looks nice, baby. You don't need to 
don't know if you know the answer to that one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, it's very different, I have to say. And even like when I first moved to Brighton, when I was what, 18, 19, just turning 19, I couldn't believe it. I, c- I couldn't believe like how, how much the lifestyle was different. And it kind of, actually, I felt like a holiday when mm-hmm. I first moved to Brighton. Like, I couldn't, it was just, it's like a different world. Um, and then obviously coming to Milton Keynes is even more different because it's obviously not by the beach or in like it's just a, it's just a city, a small city. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit different than Cabra. Yeah, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I do miss I do miss Cabra. I do I don't get home as much anymore because um, obviously the the games and things like that. But uh, no, you do miss Cabra. You miss the people. I have to say the people are, are very different. Um, in Cabra than to hear. Yeah. And <laughs> um, do you miss the bogeys? Ah, yeah. <laughs> the fortress. Bernabel, the San Siro. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, before, before this started, just for anybody listening, we were having a bit of a chat with Warren. He was having a bit of a scrap with his dogs. But um, we said to Warren, we said to him, we're like, you're not nervous, are you? And Warren was like, oh, no, I've done plenty of days. Comes on, force two questions about camera and fucking the bogies. Jesus Christ. Um, Good so, start. So, um, you played football from a young age. Was it always the aim to go over to the championship? Like, we had Aaron on the other day, and you know, he took the different route to, to America. And there is so many different routes to become a professional footballer, but was the route to England always something that you had in your mind? Yeah, it's. Obviously, as a young lad, like you, you just you just play the game because you love the game. Like you know, you play with your mates. I think I owe the credit union a new set of gates. That's how many times I kicked the ball off like across the road in the house there uh, in Cabra. But yeah, like as a young as a young boy, you just you just want to play with your mates. And every day it was just lads come and go out and have a game of heads and volleys. And look, I got to, obviously I started out at Dingle and got to a certain stage where. You get to about 15, 16, you start thinking to yourself, the boys, a lot of the, a lot of the lads when my age were going on trial and I never really went anywhere. Um, so obviously the dream is to become a footballer as a young lad and it just didn't seem to be happening for me at that stage and signed for balls in my 17s and kind of fizzled out a little bit, nothing really much in England, didn't really didn't really play for the first team when I was that, well, until I, until I kicked on a bit and I actually just went straight to education and was more focused on that, really. Um, but yeah, the question, the answer to the question was definitely the end goal is to get to England, and see how far you can get from there. And so far, it's going all right for me, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think you talked about balls there, and as you said, we had Aaron the other day. He he was a former balls player himself. He was saying he used to always nutmeg it, which was a thing I was talking. About. <laughs> And, He's still uh, living off that, is he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you were with Bowles. You broke into the first team. And I think you had about 17 appearances in your whole time at the Bowles. Yeah, it would have been. I think, I, think it was, I think it was about 12 starts or 11 or 12 starts, I think, yeah. yeah. And what, then, uh, what do you remember about your Bowles time? Was it, were you a Bowles fan? Yeah, yeah. Like, I used to go to Bowles with one of my good mates, uh, Giff, Chris O'Brien, and, 
um, and me other mate David White, we used we used to go down and watch them the odd time. Now, not a, I wouldn't be a diehard Bowers fan. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I wouldn't be down every Friday because obviously I was trained as well. And for any time we could get down, we would down to Daily Mount, no problem about it. And when I kind of signed for them, it was kind of it was perfect. But obviously, I'm from Cabra, like so it was perfect to get to Fisbury and just get down to Daily Mount there and not a bother. And obviously, we used to train in Blanche IT there, so my ma used to drop me up every. Every night, uh, every second toward night, like you know, and yeah, you could, it was definitely if if it would follow anybody in League of Ireland, hundred percent would have been Bowers and nobody else, not like Shells or anything like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> um, you didn't take good news that, did you? <laughs> Aaron done the same. Um, when you were playing with Bowers, you were playing with the likes of um, Pico Lopez, who was. Happy AFCON this year, which is a bit fucking mad when you think about it for Kate Verde. And obviously, like a few balls, legends, Derek Pender, Dave O'Kane. Did they have much of an impact on you at a young age? Was that something, you know, learning from them? Did they kind of make you want to move abroad that bit more and kind of pursue it that bit more? Or what was the story there? Yeah, I think I think when I started training with them boys, like especially like Dave McCarty, I remember my first session with Dave McCarty and I was about 16 and obviously Dave was a centre-back and uh, I was obviously a centre-back, a young lad coming up. So he was he was coming to the end of his, his, his time at Bowes and he was a lovely fella, no doubt about it. Like, he was lovely to me, grand, like not a bother, like same with Dezza, same with Pico and the other boys. But we were training and we were doing set pieces or something and I was mar- he was marking me for a corner and I swear to God he tore the bib off. <laughs> oh, I'm not messing straight me to the ground. It was only my fourth session as a young lad coming up. And I think, and all like whack up Paddy Cavanagh, that's what I was all laughing about. I saying, like, poor Dave, Dave, like dragging the young lads around. But it was a little, it was a little kick in the teeth for me. Like, Dave was saying, like, you're not taking my spot. Mm. And that, I did England, England wasn't even in my mind at that stage. In my mind was that stage, like, I need to compete with these boys before I want to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the way it was. Like the, the football world's a doggy doggy dog world. Like you, there's no pussy footing around it. You, you need to just run through, run over anybody who's in front of you. Mm. And that's what I kind of started learning straight away before it even came over here. Um. So that was definitely, especially with Detta. Detta was like unbelievable. He was the cat. He's he's still still the captain there in my eyes, and he was unbelievable for it. Like, you just have to go out and win and compete against everybody. No doubt about it. Sorry, just hear the dogs there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was about to say, um, how or how did the move to England come about then when you were at Bows? Because I think you're only there till 2017, was it? And then yeah, yeah, it was a it was a quick one. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I think we played. I can't remember who we played, but it was near. It was around December time. About. November, December, I went on a couple of trials. I went to um, Norwich for a trial a few days. Went to Shrewsbury. Didn't really fancy over there. Um, Daily, was it? <laughs> Daily Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Daily Smith, Norwich. Uh, it's enough to turn any man away from Norwich, to be <laughs> No, um, I, just didn't, I just didn't fancy it. It just wasn't the place for me. And then... I was actually staying at Bowes, believe it or not. Like it was, there was nothing really pursuing me to go over. Like I had, I was doing college in that in in, in Dublin at the time, and and then I literally got a phone call about 
four days before Christmas Day. And it was literally like, there's a flight booked for you to go to Bryant for two days. And rang Keith and said, listen, Keith, there's a trial, in, in, uh, not even a trial, it was just like a two days to, just to have a look around and train with the 23s for a bit. Yeah. And I literally went over and I had a hamstring problem as well. So it was kind of saying like, this is a risk. So I didn't even said nothing. Just straight out, straight over mm-hmm. training with direct. Went to watch a game, and then the twenty threes manager at the time and the academy director just said, "Listen, we like really like him. We want to get this deal done." And I said, "Yeah, hundred percent." By the time I flew back and by the time I landed back in Dublin, I had a contract off in my email address in my emails, and that's how quick it was. Literally overnight. I was actually tell you what, I was actually walking around Centra in Cabra, possibly. <laughs> When I, when I got the phone call from the agent at the time saying um, sorry it wasn't even the agent it was actually the Brighton Academy director saying uh, there's a flight box here for tomorrow and that was it and, and you gobsmacked with chicken filler around <laughs> yeah chicken filler around a can of coke yeah I was going to say underrated chicken filler around <laughs> yeah. it actually is lovely isn't it yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. So the move to Brighton, then obviously you said you found it a bit different from Cabaret, um, and obviously you started off with the second team, was it? And then yeah, trees. the under twenty trees, to yeah. which you went on to win Young Player of the Year there between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the stats, come on. How did you find that 2019 2020 season? I suppose, yeah, yeah. I think obviously moving to a different country is like from the fourth season, it's, it's it's obviously difficult, like you know. And even the I think it was I moved in the January, so it would have been six months and then off for the summer and another a year. I'm still finding your feet like it's it's a, it's a hard thing to do, like people think. You're doing the best job in the world, which I am, no doubt about. Any hands are up, but best job in the world. Can't say say any different about it. But you're moving away from your family, your friends, everything you knew, like for eighteen years. To this, you're just dropped in this place. Now they looked after me. There's no doubt about it. But it did take me a long time, and that season is probably the season where I really settled in and really got more confidence to to go out and show what I did. And like you said, I won that award and. Yeah, it's just, it wasn't it wasn't an unbelievable season for me. You know, it was you only the twenty threes. You only play about fifteen to twenty games max in that in the season. So look, it it was a perfect stepping stone. I actually, have the award over there. I'm actually looking at it <laughs> <laughs> as we speak. It doesn't it doesn't know. It's the but uh, yeah, the very good one. It was a good season for Brighton that season in the under twenty threes. You know, to finish behind Chelsea, won the league that year. I think. And so he finished second. And he's would have finished ahead of Liverpool or fifth, I think. So like I know you're saying it's not a lot of games to play, but still a pretty still quite decent, you know what I mean, to see how far Brighton would have gotten up that table. And I think looking here, I think you, you played 15 games that season. That's the third most of anyone in that team. Now I know yeah. there's probably a bit of an overturn with that team. Like I think Aaron Connolly played one game, you know what I mean? And I think Sanchez is playing for you as well. Obviously, he's the Brighton keeper now. That's a good season, but what's it like playing with? What's it like playing with these different players? Because, I mean, especially for yourself, being kind of a stalwart in that team, 
and you have players coming in and out. And I think Kyle as well, he was in and out as well. So yeah. what's it like playing with these players, especially I suppose Aaron Connolly? What 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 did you make of him at that age? Oh, as as was flying. Like, that was when I started breaking in. Like and obviously breaking breaking in for to the first team and yeah, it's it's different because obviously the twenty three is feed you feed the first team. So when the first team need players your call you have called upon when the first team players need minutes, the likes of Sanchez and Az coming back down, Coyal, like you said, a lot of others like Jordan the season. It's 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 good and bad, like because you could be playing week in, week out for the twenty threes and then a first team centre back needs minutes and the manager says, Was well, you need to set this one out because Lewis Dunk needs minutes or Shane Duffy needs minutes and you can't really say much about it. But to be fair to the first team players, they were always they all they were always fine when you come down, like they were always not a bother on them. Um like I said, as as was the twenty threes, he was ripping her up. There was nobody could touch him. I think he the year before that, I think he got like twenty, got twenty goals in sixteen games or something like that. Like it was it was unbelievable and obviously he broke into the first team, but it was nice to see like a pathway, if you don't understand, like because some some of the twenty threes, like you never ever see a young player play for the first team. Mm. Where we had Rob, Az, Steve Alzate, but there was a few of us that actually went up and actually played in Premier League for a season or two. And uh yeah, it's a different experience, no doubt about it. It's definitely different to the League of Ireland and it's less physical and mm. the League of Ireland you're probably losing a few teeth every month for uh, <laughs> not many trees like not really. Yeah, I think something that I find interesting about the under twenty trees is you know it it is more or less youth teams playing against other with the odd senior player coming in and like you said you can be dropped you can be dropped like that if, if a centre half needs minutes. But did what did you under twenty trees train with the first team or was it two completely separate entities? It'd be two different groups now. Yeah, it would be two different groups and then like I said if the first team like if a centre back got injured and they needed a number you'd be next on the list to go up and train for the day and like a centre you can never know like that centre back would roll his ankle and be out for six weeks and you'd be training for four centre for six weeks so it's a great chance or if somebody's ill or COVID and things like that so little things come into it so sometimes you'd be actually like praying somebody's I know it sounds bad but somebody's getting sick or injured like for a, for a week or two just to get yourself in the door and like show the manager what you can do and get around the four team see what it's like because it's it is a different ball game. I'm not gonna lie. It is a different ball game when you go up. The standard goes through the roof. Yeah, the, I think roof. the thing with the Premier League teams is it is the I know probably cliche, but it's probably the highest level of football, especially in England and maybe the world. But you took the words out of your mouth there about COVID. I know you were saying about the transition from Ireland to Brighton was a bit difficult at the time. How how the fuck did you get on with COVID? Like, how how did you deal with that? Um, in fairness, I was, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't see. I, I got a bit lucky. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I got home. My granddad passed away during COVID, so I got back for that, which which was, I was very lucky because I don't know how I got back. Nobody, nobody. I think uh, I got a medical. Um, I got the club to run me up a medical thing that I had to go back for a medical view in the Mad Hospital. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I was actually injured. I had surgery on my foot just before it. 
and then I just I had to obviously was on crutches and I just said I had to go to Ireland for a CA specialist. So I got lucky with that. But after that, I didn't get back. Nothing. Literally couldn't get back to see my family, my, my mom, my dad, my sisters, nothing. My mates couldn't get back at all. Like, and it was literally, in fairness, England was a bit better than Ireland. Like, there was a few things still open, like shops and things like that. And I knew Ireland was bad at the time. So it was kind of, once my family were all right, there was no real need to get back because obviously I'm still training and the games and things like that. So, and what, what was training like during COVID? Like, I, I, we were saying to Aaron because he was with the Portland Timbers. And one of the things in his contract from the draft was to train with the first team. Now, I know you were saying it was two different groups training, whatever. But I imagine when COVID kicked in, he could have been training somewhere else, maybe. I don't know. Was it, was it difficult to train during COVID? Was it that little period where there was no football? I remember vividly because it was terrible for us. But yeah. what was it like there for you? Like, was it lonely? Like, how did you deal with things? Well, actually, I'll go back to. This I was at Brighton when Cobb first hit. It was in my last year of my contract. And all the international boys actually got sent home. So I actually got sent home for nine weeks. I drove my car back on the boat. And we had to run. I was actually running around the bogies every day for nine weeks. And uh I was it was the worst eight, nine weeks of my life. No doubt about it. The, the thought of like Going up and training every day is, is the best feeling in the world as a footballer because you can't. But when you have to do it on your own for eight weeks, it was a diff. It was so hard. Like not physically. Physically, I was as fit as I've ever been because I was literally just run because mm. there's nothing else to do. I couldn't pass a ball to somebody because everybody had to stay away from each other. Mm. But mentally, I was I was drained. So I got to a stage where I rang Brighton and said, "Listen." I'm going into a bad place here. Like I'm, I'm losing interest in not interest. I'm losing like the, the fire to keep training and, and doing it on my own. And I actually asked him could I come back, and he said yeah, but I wasn't. I was. I wasn't allowed to train in the training ground. Now I had a girlfriend. I still have. I'm still with me, missus now. Um, she was still in Brighton, unfortunately. <laughs> 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 Don't let her listen to this. She'll kill me. <laughs> Um, I, talk, I drove back and stayed in her house for eight weeks with her family um, but I was still running the roads but just knowing that I was back in England kind of helped me a bit more and I obviously could see like the Brighton lads like Aaron Connolly Jason McGumby like and Dan O'Mandrew was here at the time I think he was there so I can't really remember um, but yeah that was that was really tough and then we got back into training and then I went straight to MK on loan after that as soon as I got back in it was literally like done in a week or two yeah I think you probably took the words out of my mouth we were just yeah. about to bring it up so how does the move to MK Dance come about they obviously just came in for you and off you went was it did you ever think twice about moving um, no I knew uh, I, I, in general being blunt um, being honest which is I, I knew I was never going to play as centre back for Brighton um, <clears throat> obviously I had Shane Duffy he had he just bought Adam Webster and I just knew like listen I need to get out and play here if I want a career I need to get out and kind of get out of my comfort zone because 23 can be very very comfortable you don't really grow you hit a certain point and to be able to break through into another force team is really tough so I knew I had to just take the risk because either way it was either take the risk not walk out go back to Dublin 
I'll sit in the twenty threes and rot away and go back to Dublin in, in a year or two. So um yeah, obviously I pushed for a loan. MK came in, Russell Martin at the time. <clears throat> and uh yeah, literally, literally fell into place perfectly for me, really. I suppose what's it like coming into a new a new team? Like you, you've gone from you've jumped into Bowles with Mulcahy, you know, you go to Brighton and you're you're training with some Premier League players, you know what I mean? And then you're you're taking I don't know if it would be perceived to be this. Um I wouldn't perceive it to be this, but is it would you think it's a drop down to League One? Because you're playing regular, proper, you know, football that has stakes in it, like like you seen last season, you know, reaps the rewards in a sense as well. So what's it like coming into this MK Dance team? Yeah, obviously going into anything is nerve wracking, especially if it's new for you. Um it was definitely a step up from the twenty threes, no doubt about it. like you we have a we play like the checker trade tournaments over here. We play the twenty threes to them all the time and we you don't really play our strongest squad because you know that's not gonna be that you know, League One games are more difficult and you'll save your players like so that kind of says we're all to what the the twenty threes level is compared to League One. Like it's like you're fighting with like you're fighting with big clubs in League One. Like, you know, you have you have your Sheffield Wednesdays, you had your Sunderland last year, so you were getting 35, 30,000 every week. Like, you know, you're going away to these places and you're trying to get results. And it was definitely it was definitely a new I actually got a bit lucky in my first season, it was the COVID year, there was no fans. Um so I actually got very, very lucky just to get used to it. Like, I think I got about 35, 40 games under my belt in my first season and it definitely broke the ice. Um in fairness, the lads were really nice. The dressing rooms were split actually because of COVID still, and we had to keep that distances and wherever had to be put in place. So, kind of made it better because there were small groups, so you could like just you fade in like slowly but surely. And I had Richard Cow at the time, who was Irish, obviously he he was there, and it was definitely new and nerve wracking, but it was something that you just have to do because. Look, you, you know, you need to do it if you really want to kick on and what you want to do in your life. And this is what I really wanted to do. So, mm. yeah. And obviously, last year, you've had a very good season in League One um, yeah. 89 points, just three off win the league. It's just like that, <laughs> very narrow. And uh, off Rodham in second, yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so, that was a very good season. And there was a lot of Irish players playing for you, I think. I, I read there, uh, Troy Parrott was there, Connor yeah. Gauntry, yeah. and Peter Chioso as well. So yeah. uh, was that nice to have that sort of contingent, sort of core Irish group, which is in that season? Ah, ah yeah, definitely. You need at least four Irish boys. You want to do well <laughs> in <Yeah>. every team. <laughs> but um, now, uh, yeah, obviously, like you said, like it was, it was a good season that ended... Very uh, heartbreaking, really, if I'm honest. Like, like you said, a point off Rotherham, three points off Wigan to win the league. And you can't help but think back to the little games. Like, you pick up a draw and it should be a win, or you pick up a loss and it should have been a draw. And look, football is football, happens, and you, you can't do anything about it. And yeah, like we had the Irish boys, and it was just nice. Like, Troy, obviously, it was, it was amazing for us. He, from January onwards, he was. He was on fire, that kid. Like he, he was flying, and you can see now in Tottenham's preseason, he's flying. Connor Coventry was the same, and he came in and Jan and P played for the start of the season. 
and then he got called back to Luton in January, so he went the other way. And yeah, it was, it's always nice to have like your own around you if you want to put it in that sense, you know, especially Troy coming from town there, sorry, down the road in Cabra. And Pete was actually from Swords, believe it or not. He moved out when he was younger. I think he was when he was young, he moved back to England. So you had the most minutes played last season. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if you yeah. knew that. That's that's quite a fucking start. Are you not tired, bro? Are your legs sore? <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're sitting down talking to us. <laughs> yeah, I played, um, I played the most minutes. I think I was second in League One for the minutes. I think Force was a keeper, which is not an outfield player in my mind, in my eyes. So, so you're number one. Take force. <laughs> That that's a that's yeah. a hell of a stack considering the season like MK Don's had. You know what I mean? I think eight to nine points as we said, twenty six wins, eleven draws, nine losses. Like the playoffs, it's a horrible thing because and we have it here in Ireland, obviously with the League of Ireland with the relegation and promotion. And I've felt this from Michelle's point of view. But there, <laughs> <laughs> there has to be there has to be a winner and a loser. It's it's no Shell's <laughs> It's the harsh reality of it, you know what I mean? There's, but I, I think from your point of view, there's a lot of pride to be taken in the minutes that you played. I just want to touch on real quick, a player who's after moving to Borley, um, Scott Twine. How good was yeah. he? Yeah, Twine, uh, Twine was a weird one, you know. Like He was at Watford at one stage. Wow. Like on loan from Swindon. And... We then obviously went back to he was at Newport for a year, went back to Swindon. There's the dogs again. <laughs> um, back to Swindon. And then he, we played Swindon twice the year before we signed them. And Swindon got relegated. We beat Swindon like 6 0 or something like that, 7 0. But Twiney had like something about him. He just had something about him that Russ really liked. And Russ wasn't wrong in the end. And mm. um, yes, yeah, so we signed him. And, we actually saw that best player the year before and Tony was coming in to replace him and a few of the lads obviously you're thinking like a League 2 player is, is coming up to us like we've just sold our best player and it's kind of like when you sell your best player you know the way it feels like you're just saying oh no here we go like we need to find somebody and then you, you sign Scott Twine you're kind of like right he has big boots to fill and first train session runs for days not a bother to him absolute lungs of steel and then after training, just put five free kicks in top bins, five in a row. We're just like, whoa, this this kid has a bit. Mm. Then get to January, fella has played in 12 goals, seven assists. Get to the end of the season, he has nearly 40, put out 35 goals and assists for the season. And plays 45 games a season and gets a player of the year. So he was, uh, he was so clever at what he did because he wasn't the quickest and he wasn't the strongest. Mm. But he was very, very clever on the way he moves and the way he uses uses his body and his ability. <laughs> so, so we're, we're just we're just back from a little technical difficulty there for uh, that's what it was, yeah. A second, <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose we get we get back on track. What's what's kind of personally speaking, and, and obviously for the team, what what are the hopes for next season? Yeah, obviously, same objective in there, different season, get promoted. That's, mm. that's the end goal and. No matter which way you do it, whether it's automatic or playoffs, get promoted. I think um obviously we came toward last season and we spoke before and point off second and 
you you just you want to better don't you it's, I mean, everything you just want to get better and better and so yeah we'll be, be aiming to win it no doubt about it but look, one to six can go up you can get, get the, you can get the playoffs and that and can happen in the playoff like we seen yes last season and we just have to go for that and see how the first game goes after the first few months you kind of gauge what the league can be like mm. I, was, I was looking at the league there earlier and now coming down from the championship you have Barnsley Derby County of course there's a lot, lot of press around them Peterborough coming up you have Forest Green Rovers so I think actually a really good story there yeah. probably want them to, <laughs> want them to do well next season I'm sorry man. Um, you know yeah, you have Exeter you have Bristol Rovers and Port Vale and then you're talking about the likes in the League One managers Sheffield Wednesday Portsmouth, Ipswich, Charlton, Bolton. You know, that's the makings of a, a Premiership Year's classic there, isn't it? <laughs> how, does, how, do you, how do you feel coming up against these teams? After last season, you, you just, you don't, you can't be afraid. You can't, like, these are big teams and we're like MK Dons, like, you're not classed as a big, big team. But as the season went on last season, we were classed as a big scalp. Like, we were. I think we went 16 on the bounce like without getting beaten at one stage during the season. And mm. We went to Sunderland and beat them 2-1 away. 25,000 fans screaming that you're shite in your early. <laughs> you, you know, it's things in Ipswich is the same. Like Ipswich are always a tough team. Charlton, they were non-existent last season. I think they came 12th or 14. Like. Mm. Sheffield Wednesday, they were, it's, for me, they were they should have went up in my eyes they should have went up through the playoffs whatever happened happened but they were they were top 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 class I have to say look even this, this, the stadium Hillsborough and the fans are just getting your face from the off they just literally make you feel horrible mm. but like you said like you have big clubs like, there's no doubt about it it's very very big clubs and the lads who came down as well like Derby making some signings and people are always got to be up and around it I don't know what Barnes will be like. I haven't played Barnes before in my life, so I can't really gauge what they'll be like. And the new boys coming up, they're always gonna have a little extra yard in them because they want to stay in the league, and that's their objective, isn't it? Is to stay in the league. So look, every every game is hard in this league. There's no doubt about it. Whether it's away or home, it's gonna be a hard league. Yeah, I th- I like the nature of EF- EFL in general. Like I like the. There's something about it. Like, I think the championship, a lot of people regard that as, like, the most competitive league in the world because you have so much... Like, there's a lot of teams, like League 1, like League 2. There's so many teams that can go up. You know what I mean? And like you're saying, I think Wickham finished sixth last season and they went up, you know, that kind of way. So there's that, there's that kind of lot, lottery about it as well, to an extent. Um, yeah. And, like, you have, play, you have teams going up in the championship as well who'd finished third or fourth. And then they do better than the team that finished first. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's that sort of versatility to it. Yeah. But um, like Brentford, Norwich. Yeah, Brentford are doing very well. There you go. That's where you go. We hate Norwich on this podcast. Though. <laughs> the it is, yeah. I, I don't mean any offense, to Norwich. If anyone's listening to Norwich, I'm sincerely <laughs> apologetic, but he's wrecked me head. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where are you? Shout out to Daily. Uh, no, fuck Daily. Have um, you got a question about stadiums and players as well? Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, we asked Aaron this in the MLS as well. Um, but I was wondering, firstly, what's your favourite thing about being a centre-back over any other position? Um, is it hoofing the ball? 
now down the pitch or is it <laughs> is it the big heading of the ball giving it a loaf like what's your favorite thing to do as a don't do any of that things i don't <laughs> do any of that <laughs> um best thing about being a sender like you don't have to cross the halfway line probably <laughs> Lazy, just one half. That's it. Yeah. Uh, no, probably like yeah, it's like probably if you're able, you're able to tackle somebody, you know, you're expected like yeah to smash somebody, and nobody really says yeah, on like you next know. week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they expected like tell people. So yeah, probably that. And who's the hardest player you've ever met in your short career so far? I'll tell you what, it's been a few. Last couple of years, it's been definitely a few played. Had a bombyang at Arsenal. No way. Wow. Yeah, had a bombyang here in Tierney. I was playing right side of a back five, right side of a back three. I had fucking a bombyang at Karen Tierney on the overlap. Oh that was nice. That wasn't nice at all. <laughs> I swear to God, I think I tried to say hello to bombyang to get his jersey. He literally just blanked me. <laughs> Blanked, blatantly blanked me. I was like, oh, here we go. Um, that is my style. I think, uh, who else we played? He had Son, Son and Lucas Mora. Wow. Son and Lucas. Son was ridiculous. So, so sharp. Lucas Mora was like flicking the ball over people's heads and all. Like, I it was think he's fairly underrated, Lucas Mora. Oh, yeah. I, Those, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves sometimes. He, he's a... There's no bad players in the Premier League. I'm telling you that now. You yeah, think, yeah. There's no, no bad players. But when you, you you see them on telly against top, top players, you think he's terrible. Mm-hmm. When you play against them, like Phil Foden played against Phil Foden when he was younger, you can't get near that kid. Was that in the under-23s for Brian? Yeah, the first year I think he played, yeah. You can't get near him. Like, there's, there's been loads of them. Like, you had like back, uh, back here, Saka at Arsenal, Smith Rowe at Arsenal. Them two are like lightning quick. You can't get near them. Don't look that quick. Well, Saka does. Smith Rowe just glides. Can't, can't touch him. There's been so many. Like, because obviously, like, you play Liverpool's, of course, Jones, Harvey Elliott. Wow. Like, you, you, like Hudson Adoya was unbelievable at cutting in. Shooting like he was, he was a joke. Reese James was a monster. Mm. Like, so you can the list is endless, especially if you're playing the 23s for a few years. Like, the list is endless. But probably the toughest would be the, the person I was like most afraid of was probably, probably Son because he was just too quick. He was lightning over 10 yards. Like, he's quick and gentle. Huh? Did you get anyone's jersey? No, I, I actually asked Son for his jersey and he said, yeah. But it was a showcase game and there was like 17,000 fans there. Okay. So the Tottenham fans, actually, as soon as the game was finished, like they, they had to give, they just give them, it was the nice one as well. You know, they were, they remember the away one last season? It was like oh, black. No way. way. Yeah, we nice usually enjoy it on this podcast. I love that. The sports are big. Have you picked up many jerseys though in your time? Would that be something no, just just mates, like just mates that I played with. Um, mm. Not really any, like not like it's usually like the Carabao Cup brand like that. Not really any like that. Um, so it would just be mates that I played with, like through Brighton or that I know through Warren, like to like, like try and get as I haven't played as actually, so I get his. I want to play him, and he's in Italy now. As he's gone to Italy. Yeah. 
Um, so we just just the lads. I haven't got any big names around them. No. Yeah. yeah. And I, that, I think if I, I say this as if you know I'm going over to Brighton and start training. Like if I was a professional footballer, I think the thing I'd like most would be robbing people's shoes. Not robbing tears as a team person. I'm not, I'm not a crook, but like swapping tears with people. You know what I mean? <laughs> you dug yourself into a big hole. I'm out with that. Don't worry. But um, yeah, that that's been a mad one. Obama Yang, yeah. I mean, I'm not too surprised. Yeah. Seeing he's being tough out of Barcelona as well, so swings around. Bill, <laughs> um, It'll be over with you and MK Don. <laughs> See you next year, Bob. Yeah, you like to speak, you know. Um, yeah, look at it. We're, we're nearing the end of the series. Yeah. Anything else about MK Don's? No, I think that's, we've pretty much covered it all, I think. Um, yeah. What, what was that the question you asked, Aaron? Oh, don't thing? say yeah. it. Because, because <laughs> 20 to 9 now, like, oh, I want to watch a bit of Love Island myself. But... I want to watch the Baker. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we asked, we asked Aaron, and I, I gave you, I texted you about this earlier. Um, yeah. Tell me something I'm going to do with a few guests. So we asked him a stupid question first, which maybe it's not that stupid, but I don't know. And then a few serious questions. But we'll go with the Desert Island first, Warren. Yeah. You can have, you're on a desert island on your own, you can't get off. We let Aaron pick a person, so you can pick a person as well if you want. But we want to know what book, what movie, and what album you take with you, and what person as well, I suppose. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't read many books. Um, can barely read, that's probably why. <laughs> um, I did, uh, I read a few of uh, Stephen Jarrett, Roy Keynes, but there's actually a book that I started reading when I was actually in Dublin. It was called Unstoppable. It's, it's uh, by uh, Tim uh, Grover, I think his name was. But he was basically the coach for Michael Jordan. Yeah. Unbelievable. That was if you if you's, you should get on it. I'm telling you, it's ridiculous how good it is. And that Michael Jordan fell on Kobe Bryant was it? They were freaks. Only freaks. The last dance, they actually again. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That Tim. That Tim. The author is in that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that that would probably be my book. Um, the album I don't know now I don't know with the album usually I'm just like look at an album pick a few songs and then that'll be it like you know I'm not really an album lover but probably have to be Dermot Dermot Kennedy or um, Damien Damien Dempsey a little bit of Damo as well I have to say probably be Dem- probably be between them two I have to say uh, my dad got me into Damo when I was younger my mates obviously I went to see him when I was younger and things I'd love to have him seen him in a while now but probably be Damo or Dermo yeah Damo, Damo. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the next one? Movie. Movie, yeah. yeah. Has to be Shawshank Redemption. I, I tell you, you're going with I probably, we're probably going to hear that a lot. Do you know what? Yeah. It's probably yeah, going to be a It is a crack with him. Yeah, Shawshank, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, that's that. Morgan, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Get him on the podcast. <laughs> he won't come on the podcast. Imagine Morgan Freeman talking to us. That's... But come here, Morgan. Did you like Subway yourself? You know, <laughs> but um, Centro Chicken Philippines. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose the last two questions, um, and I think I think this is probably key to how like an athlete like yourself kind of works day to day. But what what motivates you? What what gets you going? Um, what motivates me probably be. If, it'd have to be my family like it's probably the only reason I moved away to England um, initially 
was to help the family, like, you know, obviously money, money, money's money, money, money talks, like, and look, if it'd probably be family knowing that my mass go to work every day when I train and play football for a living. Mm. Like, you, you, you just want to make it as much as you can and, and help her out as much as you can and my sisters and my dad and my, my, my cousins, aunties, whatever, the list goes on. Um, so I think, like, definitely seeing my ma go to work and texting her saying she's like, yeah, I'm in work, I speak later, would probably be the biggest one, I have to say. Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't have moved away if if it wasn't for my ma, like, you know, my ma, my, my, my family. Um, yeah, that would be the biggest one, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, I'm sure she's she's very proud of you, man. So lastly, Warren, what are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? Um, obviously, football would be the biggest one. Uh, gives me everything in life, really. You know, literally, the, who I am today is, is because of football. Where I am today is because of football. And where my family is today is because of football. It helps out a lot. And literally, a ball, a letter ball full of air. Literally takes your worries away. Take across the white line, a letter ball full of air, and it's gone. Yeah, It's mad, isn't it? Like, I was only saying to somebody earlier, like, the amount of time, like, obviously, you're playing the game, it's different for you, you know, but, like, the fanfare that football has yeah. and kind of how people get wrapped up in it, it's 22 men running after a ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's, Actually, I, 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 I'll be honest, I can't live without it. Like, you know yeah. I mean? like, no, but that, that's what it is, like. And I can't fucking live without it. I know you're the same. You're, you're being paid to do it, so you can't live without it either. And it's just one of those things where it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Huh? Pays my mortgage. Who <laughs> <laughs> from the team down the pitch pays yeah. your mortgage? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. It's a fucking it's a beautiful game, you know. But yeah, well, what a what a beautiful podcast as well. So yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah good crack, we it? appreciate you taking your time now. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if, if you're ever back in Dublin, we'll we'll gladly buy you a pint of water or something. I don't know if you think. <laughs> No, nah, I'll have a Guinness, boys. I'll have a Guinness. Oh, for fuck's sake. Have a Guinness, Guinness is on you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Warren, thanks a million for coming out, pal. We really no appreciate worries. it. Yeah. No worries.